All right, we'll say good morning. Let us begin. Start with our sponsorships to thank all of our wonderful sponsors, to thank our Tamadora sponsors for the month of Nisan, to thank Stephen Terry Zinn for dedicating all the Shurim and Drushos this month. With gratitude to Hashem on welcoming their first grandchild, Adin Svi Hachbaum, Benjamin and Elise Wall from Eretz Yisrael. With the immense debt of gratitude to all those who help make the Shi'urim available beyond the confines of the base Madrash, specifically Maishi Abramson and Jeremy Lassen, Chimmy and Batsheva Messing, for dedicating all the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in honor of the Bas Mitzvah of their daughter Laila, and Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the Shurim and Drashos this month in memory of Paul's parents, Zachar, Shmuel ben Zachariah, Leah Bas Avram, and his great-grandmother, Cyril Bas Rabdov. We thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Ira and Miriam Grossman. Welcome back, Ira, to the Shir. Har Hashem, back to Shul. With gratitude to Hashem to, for providing the ability to return to Shul in person for Dafyomi and Davening. And thank you to all of those who made Dafyomi, as well as the Davening accessible over the last year. We thank Ira and Miriam for their sponsorship and welcome Ira back to Shul. Baruch Haba. All right, so with that, let us, let us begin. So we are picking up today's daf. We really had, it was such a, such a privilege over the last two, I mean, it's been, it's a privilege every day, but the Gemaras over the last couple of days have been just, uh, not, nothing short of magnificently exceptional. Exceptional. So we'll say, and it continues, really incredible Gemara today as well. So let us pick up Halokha Dalid. The Mishnah on Tes Vav Ahmed Aleph, 15a. So the Mishnah says as follows. We're both say quite interesting. There were two Lishkas. Now remember again, a Lishka, a Lishka technically speaking is a, is a chamber. Two cha- not technically, is a chamber. Two chambers in the base of Mikdosh. Achos Lishkas Chashoin, the Achos Lishkas Akilim. One was called literally Chashoin, I will say Chashoin means secretive or whispering. So one was called, sounds like a Harry Potter installment, right? The Chamber of, uh, the chamber of Whispers, or, you know, one, one, was called, one was called the Chamber of, of Whispers, or Secrets, and one was called the Chamber of the Utensils. What happened in the Chamber of Whispers? This is incredible. Those who feared sin. So I want to point something out to you. It's very interesting. If you notice, over the last two days, We've seen two different terms to describe pious individuals, right? In yesterday's daf, what did we see? Remember little Chazara? Chassid. Chassid, right? And we saw two different definitions for a chassid. Either, again, the chassid was the person who went ahead and dug ditches, dug watering holes, right? Dug wells. So the chassid is someone who does for others. See, here it's interesting. The Gemara says, Yirechet. Who's the Yirechet? The Gemara says, Nostin l'socha bechashoi. They used to give, we'll say, was going to see the chamber of secrets or of whispers was a was used as a tzedakah distribution mechanism. So what would happen? You would go ahead and deposit money there anonymously. And aniim paupers paupers would come and would be support would, would be able to receive money from it secretly. Now, Bose, now this is very. There's two things that's happening over here. So essentially, essentially, this was a tzedakah distribution mechanism. So people who wanted to give tzedakah anonymously would come and drop off their money. Now it's interesting. Who was this particular distribution mechanism geared for? It was geared for the Gemara, what the Mishnah calls Aniyim B'nei Tovim, which refers to people who were once wealthy, 
lost their wealth and are now impoverished. See, I will say, it's difficult in general, it's difficult for anyone to take tzedakah. It's difficult for anyone to take tzedakah. But when a person was once wealthy, and now they're in a situation where they have to accept charity, it's even more difficult. This chamber was designed specifically for those kind of individuals. So remember again, we've learned, we've learned throughout our journeys in Shas, that in an organized community, there were many mechanisms for tzedakah distribution, right? Most, most, most notably, we had just recently in Arve Psachim, the tamchui, the soup kitchen. There were always ways to distribute to the poor. The, the challenging demographic, the challenging demographic was this aniyim benetovim. So for them, they had this specific chamber. So we'll say, what was the godless of it? What was the godless of it? When somebody was walking into that chamber, you didn't know what? Didn't know what? Why they were going in. Were they going in to contribute or were they going in to withdraw? This way, again, the, the dignity of the aniyim was maintained. If you take a look, if you take a look, if you take a look at the Tiklin Chadatin, he says, Lishkas Chashoim, Ashim Shinostin Lasocha Beseser, because you contribute to it furtively, secretly, right, anonymously. So I will say, those who contribute give so anonymously and quietly, and those who go ahead and withdraw do so also anonymously and quietly. Lishkas Akelim, that's the chamber of, that's the chamber of whispers. What about the chamber of the utensils? Whoever would go ahead and contribute or would donate a kli, a utensil. Zarko Lusoho, you would throw your utensil into this chamber. Once every 30 days, they would go ahead and check the chamber. They would check the chamber. The Kli any utensil that they could literally use for temple upkeep, they would keep. And the rest of the utensils that were there would ultimately be sold off and the monies deposited into the Bedek Habayis fund. Incredible. But it says the Gemara. Says the Rabbi Yaakov Bar Idi, Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Nachman. I will say this is beautiful Gemara. We're going to speak a little bit now about Hilchos Tzedakah and about the right way to give Tzedakah. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov Bar Idi, Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Nachman, Havu Parnasin. They were they were heads of the community. Dinar. This is very interesting. Rav Yaakov Bar Idion and Yitzhak Bar Nachman were heads of the community. Yet, when it came to tzedakah distribution, interestingly enough, they would give money to Rav Chama Abuye, or Rav Chama, and Rav Chama would go ahead and distribute the money to the Aniyim. Now, what's the pshat? Why couldn't they distribute it themselves? So once again, take a look at the Tiklin Chadatin. La Choranin. Listen to this. Interestingly enough, sometimes the pauper is embarrassed to collect, is embarrassed to take from the Gabite stalker. Maybe he knows the Gabite stalker. Maybe he's just embarrassed because he used to be a community leader himself. So interestingly enough, you have examples over here of Rav Yaakov Bar Idi, Rav Yitzchak Bar Nachman, who were the leaders. But yet they understood that the more effective mechanism for tzedakah distribution was actually to give the money to someone else, which is really, really quite fascinating. 
Rabbi Zechariah, Chasnei Rabbi Levi, listen to this, Rabbi, it is an incredible story. Rabbi Zechariah, who was a son-in-law of Rabbi Levi, Hayu Hakol Malizin Alav, everyone used to go ahead and speak negatively about him. What would they say? Amrin, We'll say a terrible rumor. What was the rumor? That he did not actually need tzedakah money, but yet he took it for himself. That, that was the rumor that was going around. That he was taking tzedakah funds for his own use. Min dadamach, when he died, badkin, they checked into his financial affairs, and what did they find? They saw that he would go ahead and distribute it to the poor. I will say, so you see what was happening over here? You see, he used to take stock of money and go ahead and distribute it, but he never, he never told anybody about it because he did not want to become known as the tzedakah collector. Because then what would happen? Anytime you would see him dispersing money to someone, you would assume that what? That they were an ani. So the whole point is he never disclosed the fact that he was distributing tzedakah funds. So because that he was able to go out and distribute to the poor without the poor feeling stigmatized, it was incredible. It's, it's, it's such an incredible Gemara because first of all, the Gemara wants to sensitizing us. You don't really know what's happening in people's lives. You know, we, we just, we, we have this kind of reflex to, to engage in snap judgment, right? You automatically know what everybody's doing. You automatically know what the cheshpun is. You automatically know what everybody's intentions are. And so often we're wrong. And we're wrong in such dramatic ways. See here, Nebuchadnezzar will say, everyone suspected this individual. Everybody suspected Rabbi Zechariah of pilfering communal charity funds. And it turned out that when he died, they did an audit of his, of his books. And it turns out that he was, he was distributing money for tzedakah. We'll say, we'll also point out, if you notice, by the way, how does the Yushami refer to a poor person? It's an interesting, it's an interesting word. Choranin. Choranin. So we'll say, what does Choranin mean? We just came off of Pesach. What does Choranin mean? Choranin, free. You know, the Maral, the Maral writes, right, the Maral Prague writes, he says, Ein lecha ben Choranin gadol yosra min ha'ani. The greatest, the greatest form of freedom is poverty. See, so what does that mean? Well, so we know that when you have possessions, you are a slave to your possessions. That's the reality of it, right? And the more you have, the more you have, the more meshubad you are. To a certain degree, ironically, the pauper is free, <laughs> which is, again, now poverty obviously comes with its own set of challenges. And I think most of us would choose the challenges of wealth over the challenges of poverty. But it is fascinating to see that the Ani is referred to as a Ben Choren, ultimately is referred to, in any event, the Yomar goes weiter. Rabbi Chinina Bar Papa have a maflig mitzvah balayla, great story. Rabbi Chinina Bar Papa was one time distributing staka at night. He was, he was running around that night distributing tzedakah. What happened? He ran into like almost like a, the head shade, right? That literally, ruchai means evil spirit. So at night, the evil spirits are given an opportunity to kind of run around. So he ran into one of these evil spirits, but not just anyone, like the, like the heady evil spirit. So listen to this. So the, the shade says, the shade says to, to, to Rabbi Chinina, he says, Rabbi, didn't you teach means you can't move the property marker on your friend's property. So you can't go ahead and readjust your friend's property. You have to steal his property. So the shade was giving, the shade was giving Rabbi Chinina some musr. Nighttime is my domain. What are you running around distributing tzedakah at night? 
Matan Seif Matan Beseser Yechape Af. I but the pasuk also says giving tzedakah secretly has the ability to overcome divine wrath. So again, Rambam bested the shade, and the shade ultimately again became fearful of him and ran away. Pretty incredible. I'm Rabbi Yona. Rabbi said this is a beautiful, beautiful, and important Gemara. I'm Rabbi Yona. Ashrei nosin ladal in ksiv ella. Ashrei maskil eldal. Rabbi said amazing enough. The Gemara says the pasuk in Tehillim. The pasuk in Tehillim does not go ahead and say Ashrei nosin dal. Doesn't say praiseworthy is the person who gives tzedakah to the poor. Rather, what does it say? Ashrei maskil eldal. Praiseworthy is the one who approaches the dal, the, the pauper, with wisdom. What does this mean, Rebbe Osei? Zeshu mistakel b'mitzvah heich la'asosa. Rebbe we know this, that in the mitzvah of tzedakah, it is not just about what you give, but it is all about how you give it. And that's the meaning of the Pasuk in Tilim. Ashrei maskil eldal. Praiseworthy is the one who approaches the pauper with seichel. You know, you know this. Sometimes you could give a lot of money to someone, but totally undermine the, the mitzvah by making the person feel worthless. Conversely, you could give a lot less, but yet give in a way that maintains a person's self-esteem, that maintains a person's self-worth, and that ultimately, again, means the world to the individual. Ketzad, Ketzad, Hayar Rabbiyone Osa, how what would Rabbiyone do? Kishayaroa Ani Ben Tovim Bosi, this is incredible. It's an example of this, of Ashrei Maskil Eldal, when Rabbiyone would see an Ani Ben Tovim Bosi, once again, you have this phrase, Ani Ben Tovim is this person who was wealthy, who was wealthy, and then again, lost his wealth lost his wealth, and now was forced to rely on tzedakah. When Rabbi Yonah would encounter such an individual, what would he do? So he said, Omer lo, Bni, Bishil shashamati shenefla lecha Yerusha imakam acher, Tol va'ata poreya, va'ata poreya, va'ata poreya minda habanasa. I'm sorry, va'ata poreya. So also listen to this. So Rabbi Yonah would say as follows. When he would see a particular pauper who was wealthy and then lost his money, he would say, oh, you know, I heard that you are going to have a Yerusha, that there's a Yerusha that's going to fall to you from another place. So let me do this. Let me give you an advance on that Yerusha, right? And you'll pay me back when you get the Yerusha. So since Rabbi Yonah was structuring this as a business, I'm giving you an advance, you pay me back. Once, but once the individual, once the pauper will take the money, Amrlei, Matanehi Rabbi Yonah whispered to him, it's a matana. See, Rabbi say that's Ashrei Maskil Eldal. That praiseworthy is the one who approaches the giving of tzedakah with sech. And Rabbi say, you know, it's not just the din in tzedakah. Tzedakah is a paradigmatic example of this. But we know in life that in general, it's not just what you do, but it's also all about how you do it. The person could have the most wonderful intentions. And a person can want to do the most wonderful things. But the mechanism in which you execute those noble goals is just as important as the goal or as the maise itself. So the Gemara goes by Terchia Bar Ada Islay Sabin. So we'll say Chia Bar Ada used to interact with these particular elderly gentlemen who were poor. Biyominon, so the Gemara says, Biyominon, Manda Hava Havlen, Mibin Rosh Shasal Tsuma Rabba, Havinaspin, they would accept Staka between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So however, min baser kein lo havenas, bin amrin deshasa gabar. So this is very interesting. So these individuals would accept staka only between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But after Yom Kippur, they wouldn't accept staka because they would say, whatever the Ribbono Shal Olam has in store for us, 
he has already been gozer. <laughs> He's already established. In, in, interesting, because remember, Parnassa is set. Parnassa is set during Aserisimei Tshuva. So in that flux time, so to speak, they would accept Staka. After that time, they would no longer accept Staka. Interestingly enough, there's a little bit of a machlux in the Karban Ha'ida and the Tiklin Chadatin, exactly how to understand this particular Gemara, but you'll, you'll, you'll see it on your own. So the Gemara goes weiter. Nechemyo, Ish Shichin, Pagabo Yerushalmi Echad. So we'll say this is a beautiful Gemara. So, uh, we'll see. Nechemya from Sichin, right? That's where he was from. He's from Sichin. He once bumped into a, a particular Yerushalmi. Into a Yerushalmi. Right? So we'll say, what, is, isn't it incredible just to be identified as a, as a Yerushalmi? Right? That's it. Not a name Yerushalmi. I see that... Uh, I see that, that, that Rav Nachman is here with us and Jerry's on with us. So, uh, you know, we have a couple of Yerushalmiim here with us as well. So it is, isn't it incredible just to be identified as, as a Yerushalmi? So the Gemara says, So listen to this. The Yerushalmi said to him, Do me a favor and acquire with me a Tarnagolsa. We'll say Tarnagolsa is a hen. Now you have to understand something. That was considered to be the finest delicacy. The finest delicacy. This lashon of Zacheimi, partner with me, was just a, a kind of coded way of asking for tzedakah. He was asking for tzedakah. So the man obviously was very wealthy at some point in time, had a refined palate, and asked Nehemiah for money for a fine hen. So Amrle, Halacha Tumisa de Kupad. So he said, no, I'm not giving you money for a fine hen, but I'll give you money for a piece of meat. Right, so you can go buy yourself a piece of meat. So, so what happened? Ultimately, the Ani, the Yushami, bought a piece of meat and he died. He ate it and he died. I will say that, that again, whatever, whatever the situation was, you know, he had, become a, he had become accustomed to all the finest things in life. And as a result, when he ate this, again, it was a little bit too much for him. And he died. And he died. And and Nehemiah was very distressed. Come and eulogize the one who Nehemiah killed. That Nehemiah Mamish felt that he was responsible for the demise of this individual. Why I say again, Ashrei Maskil El Dal, because the mitzvah of tzedakah is not just about giving money. The mitzvah of tzedakah is about being sensitive to the needs of the individual. So Nehemiah lamented the fact, it sounds, you know, say, it sounds like a strange request, right? It's like come, someone coming along saying, you know what, I'm running a little bit short on my lease payment for my Bentley. You know, if, if you don't mind, do you help, you know, can you mind helping out a little bit? You'd say, you know what, maybe not, maybe not. Here's a couple of dollars, but I'm not. So this guy approaches Nehemiah for, for, a, for a fine hen, but meanwhile, so Nehemiah's reflexive reaction, which, which makes a lot of sense, is maybe not. Maybe if you can't afford it, it's good to go ahead and not collect for such expensive appetites. But what he didn't realize is that maybe, again, this is what this individual became accustomed to, physically accustomed to. And Nehemiah felt incredible guilt because he killed him. Nochem ishkamzu. Both say, get ready for this, Gemara. Nochem ishkamzu. Nochem ishkamzu. Haya molich darna beis chama. Listen to this. So Nochem ishkamzu was going ahead and bringing a gift to his father-in-law. Beautiful. Paga bo mukashchin echad. There was a particular individual, both said mukashchin literally means a person afflicted with boils. But it could also just be a descriptive term for any person who's very ill. So mukashchin. Amrle, zochi mimimadeh iskabech. So he says to Nachum, Nachum, can you give me a little bit of what you're carrying? 
Right? Can I, can I share in that? Amrali Mikhzer. So Nakam said, Yeah, when I come back, on my way back, I'll share with you. So what happened? Chazer Mis. So Nakam returned and he saw ultimately again that by the time he returned, the pauper had died. Vahava Amar says, and Nakam was incredibly distressed. Vahava Amar the eyes that saw you but did not have compassion on you should be blind. The hands that did not extend food to you or something to you should be cut off. The feet that did not run to give you should be broken. And the Gemara says, Umatase came. And all of these things, in fact, happened to Nochum Ishgamzu. So we'll say, I, I just want to point out just the profundity of this, of this Gemara. That we'll say, what, what an incredible, me- it's, I mean, it's not a metaphor, it's a literal story. But how many times in life does it happen? Does it happen where I'm doing something, an opportunity presents itself, and what do I say to the opportunity? On my way back, later on, later on. And then, and whenever the later on is, you know, people have later on, people have different durations of later on. Some people later on means an hour. Some people later on means a decade. Some people later on means 50 years. And then what happens when you decide to finally come back to the opportunity, the opportunity is gone. The opportunity is gone. This is the nature. This is a metaphor for the human condition. How many beautiful and precious opportunities slip through our fingers simply because when they present themselves, we're unwilling to avail themselves of the opportunity right then and there. So Nachum Ishkamzu is so distressed, so upset, so upset about this. So what happens? So he curses himself. The eyes that saw you should go blind, right? The hands should be cut off. The feet should be broken. So the Gemara says, what happened? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva came to see Nochum. Rabbi Akiva came to see Nochum. So what happened? I am so sad that I have seen you in this state. That's strange. So Nachamish Gamzu says back to Rabbi Akiva, I'm so sad that you're not in the same state. So Amrlei, So Rabbi Akiva is very taken aback. Are you cursing me that I should be in the same state, blind, cut off, right, amputated arms, broken legs? And Rabbi Akiva, are you afraid of suffering? So it's a fascinating exchange. It's a fascinating exchange. Obviously, again, so, so Nachum Ishkamzu was not literally wishing this upon Rabbi Akiva, but Rabbi Akiva was so sad to see Nachum Ishkamzu in such a compromised state, and Nachum Ishkamzu was essentially saying, don't be sad, don't be sad. Life, life is all about properly dealing with your hardships. And everyone has their own hardships, everyone has their own challenges, their own difficulties, and successful living is the ability to accept and to navigate your challenges, right? They're both saying in the world of challenges, there are two ways to deal with your challenges. You could, you could bemoan them, you could bewail them, you could go ahead and be terribly just mournful over them and spend your life wondering why me, or you could accept, maximize, move on. So, so Nachum Ishkamzu said, don't, 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 don't mourn me, right? Don't feel bad for me. These, these are my Yisurin and I deal with them. I accept them, I move on, and I maximize. 
And Akiva, it's a good lesson for you because whatever life throws your way, you should adopt the same mindset as Anabosa. I remember again how, how, what an incredible metaphor, metaphor, the metaphoric um, foreshadow. This was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva suffered terribly. Rabbi Akiva suffered terribly. Also remember again, Rabbi Akiva was the one who remember again as they were flaying the skin off, they were flaying the skin off his body. What was he doing? What was he doing? He was saying Shema. He was being makabal all machushamayim. He said, "My whole life, I wondered how am I going to be makayim v'yahavtas Hashem elokecha b'chol levavcha b'chol nafshicha." So, Rabbi, so where, where did Rabbi Akiva get the chizik for that from? Maybe it was from this exchange. Maybe it was this exchange with Nachum Ishkamzu, where Nachum told him, "Don't be afraid of suffering. Whatever life throws your way, you can handle it. You can handle it. Accept it." maximize and move forward. Maybe that's where Rabbi Akiva got the chizik from this exchange here in Shkalim, perhaps. So we'll say the Gemara goes weiter. Raboshia, Rabba, Hava, Rabba, Debrei, Chad, Sagi, Nuhura. Listen to this. So we'll say Raboshia had, had a son and he hired for his son a malamid, a teacher. And the teacher was blind. The teacher was blind. Vahavi Yalif, Echol, Imei, Lichol, Yom. And Raboshia, was makbid to eat with the malamid, with the teacher, each and every day. A sign of deference for the teacher. The teacher was a chash of a Jew, a chash of a guy. So Boshia ate with him every single day. Okay, we'll say first wide line, Tesfava Medalev. End of the first line. Chadzman, Havali Arachin, Falamatal Mechalime. So one day, Raboshia had guests, and therefore he was unable to dine with the blind malamid. Yomadin, the Amris, the Loli Vuz, the Liv Zui, Biikra de Mari, Yomadin, began Khan, Lo Achalas im Mari Yomadin. So Raboshia says, he went after the guest left, the next day, he comes to the blind teacher and he says, I just want to apologize, I want to ask you, Mechila, I didn't bring my guests to dine with me together with you, I dined with them separately from you, because I was nervous that they would not afford you the right covet. So please excuse me for not dining with you yesterday. So Boshia comes and he apologizes to the blind Malamid for not going ahead and dining with him the previous day. So Boshia, look how beautiful this is. Amrale. So the blind Malamid said to Raboshia, Ata payasto laman demischami velochami. You have appeased the one who is seen but does not see. That was a reference to himself, right? The blind Malamid, he is seen by others but he does not see. Listen to this. So the one who sees, but is not seen, should be appeased by you as well. So we'll say, so the Malamid gave him a bracha. Thank you so much for going ahead. Right? Because remember, Raboshia was concerned for some reason that if he brought his guests to dine with the blind Malamid, that the guests would not give the Malamid the right covet. So therefore, he chose just not to bring them, but as a result, he didn't dine with the Malamid. So again, so the Malamid said, you had covet for the one who is seen, but does not see. So therefore, the one who sees, I'm sorry, just the opposite. You had covet, right? For the one who is seen, but does not see. The one who sees but is not seen should have should have should have rachamim on you also. Reference to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Amrali hadam and alacha. So Boshu was very taken by this bracha. So he said to them, "Alamet, tell me where did you get this formulation from? Right, the one that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the one who sees but is not seen. Listen to this. Amrali Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. He said, "I got it from Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov." We'll say, watch this story. So Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov 
Al Chad Desagi Nuhuru Lekarsia. Mostly, this is such a beautiful story. Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, one time in his city, a particular blind man, a mashulach, right? Somebody collecting staka was a blind, a, a blind mashulach came to Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov's city. So what happened? So we'll say, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov was concerned. Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov knew the man, but he was concerned that because the individual was blind, that what would happen? That perhaps people would not give him the right covet, and people would not end up um, uh, contributing to him. So what did Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov do? Yosef led Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov l'ra minei. Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov sat below the blind pauper. So because that what would happen when people saw that Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov was sitting below the blind pauper, they said to themselves, the pauper must what? Must be someone very chashev. Right? Because if he wasn't chashev, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov would not be sitting below him. So they made him, they mamish, the guy, the guy did very well. He did very well. Armor alone, Machin, so we'll listen to this. So this, this, this blind pauper, this blind pauper, ultimately again, this blind pauper realized that obviously something was going on because he had never done so well in his collections before, right? He never did so well. So he said, what is it exactly that's going on over here? Armulei Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov Yosef Lera Minach Vitsali Iluye. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He said, Yaakov was sitting below you. So because he was sitting below you, he, and again, I want to point out, obviously you see from the story that what happened over here, Rabbi Yaakov never what? Never what? Never said anything to the pauper. Right? He never said Shalom Aleichem. He never said welcome. He just sat there quietly. And people saw that Rabbi Lazarus Yaakov was there and they gave the pauper extra money. The pauper never knew. After, after the fact, the pauper says, well, I never make this much money going from to, to a city. Especially when no one knows me. So what happened over here? So we'll, we'll say, this goes back to what we saw before. Ma'ashrei maskil al-dal. Rabbi Lazarus Yaakov didn't engage. He didn't converse. He didn't do anything. He literally just sat below the blind pauper. So when the blind pauper realized what happened, he said as follows. He says, the Gemara says, so the pauper davened the following prayer for, for Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. You did chesed for one who is seen but cannot see. The one who sees but is not seen. Should do chesed with you as well. So the Rebbe Shal Olam. The one who sees but is not seen should do chesed with you as well. So we'll say such an incredible, such an incredible, incredible gemara. So therefore, again, the gemara says that this blind, this blind malamid, our Rabbi Hoshia's son, gave Rabbi Hoshia essentially the same bracha based on the story of Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. And Rabbi say ultimately, again, all going to the same idea, all going to the same idea of Ashrei Maskil Eldal. That especially, it's in true in general in life, but especially with Staka, it's not just what you do, but it's all about how you do it. Incredible, incredible. So the Yomar goes weiter. The Yomar says, Rabbi Chama Barchanino, excuse me, Rabbi Oshia, Havu Metailin Be'ilin Kinesh. Rabbi Oshia, it's a very interesting story. Shabbat Barchinna and Raboshia were, were strolling amongst the shuls in Lud. Kama Mamon Shiku Avosai Khan. How much money 
did my family, did my family invest here? So apparently, again, I will say, interesting enough, Rukhar Bachinino said that his family had donated many of the shuls in Lod. And how many souls did your family cause to be lost here? What does that mean? Ultimately, again, were there not individuals who could have learned money, who could have learned money, who could have learned Torah with that same money? So I'll say, interestingly enough, what's happening over here is as follows. Rav Chama Bar is saying, is Bar Chama is saying, my family, Bar Hashem, was responsible for building many of the shuls in Lud. And interestingly enough, Rav Oshia said to him, but were there not many Jews who were destitute who needed to be supported? Could that money not have been put to better use. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Rabbi Bun, Avad Ilain Tarei, Amud Beis, the Sadra. The Sadra. Sadra Rava. So we'll say the Gemara says that, uh, who is this? Rabbi Avon made beautiful doors for the base Madrash. So the Gemara says, Asa Rabmana Lagabe. So Rabmana came to visit it. Amr Lei, Chami Mayavirit. Did you see the beautiful doors that I made? He was very proud of the ornate doors. Amr Lei, so the Gemara says, Yisrael forgot he who made it, he who created it, and he built, or Yisrael forgot HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they built temples. So the Gemara says, Ultimately, again, were there not individuals, poor individuals, who could have used the money to learn Torah? So we'll say, so this is an interesting Gemara, interesting Gemara. You know, the Shulchan Aruch in Yeridea, brings down, again, hierarchies for tzedakah. So we'll say this is actually quite interesting. Again, we don't have time for it now, but it's fascinating. Based on this Gemara, you know, again, this sounds a little self-serving, but you know, Shukhanar brings down that actually one of the highest levels of tzedakah is supporting shuls, which is interesting. What the Gemara over here is highlighting, you, by the way, you could check out that halak, you don't have to take my word for it. But you can see, again, it's mentioned, you can see Yardaya. Uh, so again, you could take, you'll take a look at it. So I'll say, but what I will point out is something very interesting. Obviously, what the Gemara is sensitizing us to is the incredible balance that one has to have in Hilchos Tzedakah. And that, again, and, and this in general is one of the greatest challenges in Tzedakah all the time in terms of what takes priority. What takes priority? And I will say, obviously, unfortunately, you could donate all the Tzedakah funds in the world towards poverty, and there'll still be more poverty to battle. So what does that mean? You give all the money to tzedakah, no money to yeshivas, no money to chinuch, no money to building Jewish infrastructure. Of course, that can't be what the Gemara is saying over here. It could very well be what the Gemara is saying is that maybe communities have to be a little bit more aware about how resources are allocated, which would be a wonderful thing. And I will say, one of the, one of the most challenging things of not having an organized sense of community is the fact that we end up, if we had organized, just as an aside, if we had organized community and were able to pool resources, we would be able to accomplish so much more. But because often our communities are fractured, and I will say, you know, every single group needs their own shul, right? And every single group needs their own this, and needs their own that, and needs their own this. So again, there's a million shuls, which, which, is, which is nice, which is nice, but not really necessary, not really necessary, and a million different organizations. So again, it's a good musr in terms of communal planning about how perhaps to consolidate resources to be able to make sure that money gets to where it ultimately needs to. And even when you're investing in something specific, perhaps to be mindful 
mindful of what's a necessity in the project versus ultimately what's a luxury. Okay, we'll say we'll see. Maybe if we have a little bit of time at the end of the daf, I'll go back to that shulchan aruch because it is quite interesting. The gemara goes weiter. The gemara says, uh, "Tani, Tani, kachim is beach motzina sarei lehemi kachim edekabayis." I'm sorry. Let me read that again. Tony, kachim is beach motzina sarei lehemi kachim edekabayis. However, in kachim edekabayis, motzina sarei lehemi kachim is beach. So it's an interesting case. Let's say you run out of machzis hashekel. Let's say it turns out the machzis hashekel fund dries up, but you still need more money. You still need more money for carbonos. So what can you do? You are permitted to dip into the bedekabayis fund. Very interesting halacha. So essentially, this is essentially what you, the way you could view it is, if you view it is in the following way, that the bedekabayis fund is kind of like, you know, like sometimes in the bank you have like overdraft protection, where, you know, if your checking account is linked to your another account, if for some reason, you know, it, it just, so there's overdraft protection in the base Hamikdash as well. If you go ahead and you run out of the money in your tiklin chadatin, in your machzis shakel, the overdraft ultimately comes from bedek habayis. However, the reverse is not true. If you run out of bedek habayis funds, you cannot take from the machzis shakel fund. Interesting. So the Gemara says, However, in kachy bedek habayis, we see in esarei lahem kachy mizbech. I have a hot taninon. Klishe matzu botzorach lebedek habayis manichin also vasharnim karin udemei nof lebedek habayis. But I will say it sounds like from the Mishnah. Remember again, what the Mishnah say that people would come and donate utensils. You throw your utensil into the into the lishka sakelim. Once every thirty days, they would see whatever they could use for bedek habayis. They would keep everything else. They would sell, and the money falls into the bedek habayis fund. I will say it makes it sound like that money. So the money that goes into the Bedek Habayis Fund remains in the Bedek Habayis Fund and can't be used for anything else. No, no, no. All the Mishnah is talking about is money that goes into the Bedek Habayis Fund. The Mishnah is not talking about what the Bedek Habayis Fund could be used for. So we'll say a very important halacha that comes out. Not only is Bedek Habayis not only is Bedek Habayis ultimately used for temple upkeep and repair of the structures of the Beis Hamikdash and surrounding areas, but ultimately, again, Bedek Habayis fund could also be served as the overdraft protection for the Machzis Ashekel fund for Karbanos Tzibor, communal offerings as well. Incredible. Hadron Allah, Perek Elohim Amunah. Both say beautiful. More beautiful Gemara. Here we go. Shlosh There were 13. Remember, a shofar is a collection box. But as we're going to see, it was a uniquely shaped shofar box. Uh, collection box. There were 13 collection boxes in the base of Mikdosh. Shlosh Asar Shulchanos. 13 tables. Shlosh Esrei 13 prostration areas. Hayyub Mikdosh. But interestingly enough, the members of Rabbi, of Rabbi Hananias Kanakonim and Rabbi Gamliel's home, they also prostrated in a 14th spot. And by the way, where was, where was the 14th prostration spot? Kineged Dir Ha'itzim. It was right near the chamber of wood. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll send this out a little bit later. I have a picture of my in my Gemara of this. Um, the dir ha'itzim. But say if you could, if you remember again, we'll just if you go when you go into the base hamikdash, Shemir Hashem Bekara. We'll go into the base hamikdash, walking to the Ezra Nashim, which was the large courtyard area. So there were four chambers, four chambers. The dir ha'itzim was when you walked in the first chamber on your right. 
The first chamber on your right. That was the Dira Eitzim. So, the, so the, the, in, the, the, in the family of Rabbi Gamliel, and the family of Rabbi they used to postre, prostrate themselves by the Dira Eitzim. Why? Listen to this. Well, say this is wild. Shekin Masoris Biyadame Avosehen Shesham Ha'aron Nignaz. Wow. Because well, they had a tradition in their families that that is where the Ark, the Aron Habris, was hidden. Right when it was clear that the Beis Hamikdash was going to be destroyed, the Aron was hidden. They had a Masora that the Aron was hidden underneath the Deer Eitzim. Incredible. We'll say this is wild. So there was once a story of a Kohen who was going ahead and working in the Beis Hamikdash, and he noticed he was in the Deer Eitzim, and he noticed that the flooring on the Deer on one part of the Deer Eitzim was different than the rest of the flooring. Bava Amr Lechaveiro. He went to get his friend to check out what's going on over here. Lo hispik ligmaras hadavar atchiyatzasanishmaso. And literally, he was he didn't finish talking about it until he died. Verad viyadu biyichod shesham ha'aron galos. And they realized in that moment that indeed that's where the aron is hidden, and the Rebbeinu Shalom did not want anyone to really know about it, and that's they stopped talking about it. But interestingly enough, the house they had a Masura from the founder of Gamil, Rabbi Chananias Kanakonim, that that was the spot in which the Arn was hidden, and that's where they would prostrate themselves. Incredible. So Tani, I will say, let's analyze. Hashofros halalu akumos hayu saros milamalon rechavos milamato mepnei haramoim. So I will say again, these tzedakah boxes in the Mikdash were called shofros. Why were they shaped like a shofar? Because you will say, remember again, essentially it's like an upside down shofar. You would deposit the money in the narrow side, and the money would collect in the wide side. That way, how? That way, what, what, would that, what would that avoid? That would avoid people who look like they're giving, but they're really taking, right? So we'll say, you know, a person puts their hand in the tzedakah box, you know, you know, mishes around in there a little bit, and they might actually be taking something out. This way, because the opening is narrow, ultimately you could just put in, you can't take anything out. Incredible. So, Tani B'Shem, Rabbi Lazar, Ha'aron Gala Iman Labadal. Supposed to listen to this now, boss. We're going to get into a sugya, a machlokes about it's incredible. It's such an incredible gemara. A machlokes. Boss, by the way, I just want to point out. You understand the incredible timing of this gemara. Incredible timing. That remember, we're talking now. But we just finished Pesach, right? We were just bizuch. Rabbi Nachman writes that even in the absence of the Beis Hamikdash, when we have the Yom Tov of Pesach, the neshama has an aliyah leregel. That's why we feel elated. You thought it was bloated. It wasn't bloated, right? It was, it was elation. It was spiritual elation because the neshama experiences an aliyah l'regel. And now Yom Tiv's over and it's a little bit of a downer. And I was to here, what are we talking about? Now the Aaron. They don't get to spend the morning together with the Aaron. So what happened with the Aaron? So the Gemara said, Tani B'Shem Rolazar, Ha'aron gala imahin l'bavel. We're also going to see a fundamental machlokas. The Gemara says, that the Aaron was exiled with us to Baba. My timer. What does the Pasik say? Lo Yivasir Dabar Amar Hashem. So ultimately, again, because the Pasik says, the Pasik says, Kodesh Baruch says to us in Malachim, Lo Yivasir Dabar, nothing will be left over. A reference to the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, nothing will be, or nothing will be left behind. So the Gemara says, Amar Amar Ein Dabar, What's Dabar? What does the thing refer to? The thing refers to that which houses the luchos, the dibros, the aron. So the Pasik says that Nebuchadnezzar brought the utensils of the Beis Hamikdash to Babel together with the Kli Chemdas Beis Hashem. 
the treasure of the house of the Ribbono Shalom. What the treasure? That refers to the Ark. And therefore, again, according to his first opinion, the Gemara, Rebbe Lazar, the Ark, the Ark was actually exiled with them to Babel. Rebbe Shem ben Lakish Shomer, bim kama haya arningnas, was his incredible machlokas. Rebbe Shem ben Lakish says, no, the Arn was never exiled, the Arn was hidden. When it became clear that the Beis Hamikdash was going to be destroyed, the Arn was hidden in the temple compound itself. Arn nignas, bim kama haya arningnas, in its place. Now, in its place, doesn't necessarily have to mean in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, but it means in its place means somewhere in the Mikdash compound itself, the Arun was hidden. So the Gemara says, Haduhu Dixiv, Vayarichu Habadim, Vayir Roshay Bnei Roshay Abadim, Allah Kodesh, Al Pnei Advir, Vayir Achutza, Uksiv Vir. So let me take a little bit of a confusing limud here. The Gemara is quoting the Pasik from Sefer Malachim. So we'll say the Torah, the, the Navi's talking about, the Navi's talking about the Badim, the, the, the poles of the Aron. Now it says that the poles remained there by Yusham Ad Hayom The poles remained there until this very day. So the Gemara says, before we get to that, so that's a Raya, the fact that it says remain there to this very day indicates that's what? That the Aron is still there. As a side point, the Gemara says the poles were seen and the poles weren't seen. So the Gemara says, Rather, the poles were seen and they weren't seen. So the Gemara says, They extend, so we've seen this before in Masechus Yuma, that the poles pushed against the curtain of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, just like the breasts of a woman extend out as well. For Rabbanon Amri, Belishkas dir ha'itzim haya aron ganav. So we'll say, according to this opinion, halacha lemaisa, the aron remained in place. The aron remained in place, right? And ultimately, where was it hidden? Belishkas dir ha'itzim. This goes back to the Mishnah. It was hidden underneath the wood chamber. So the Gemara says, so, so the Gemara tells a story now, similar to the story expressed in the Mishnah. So we'll say, so just want to point out. So the first, so just to understand, the first opinion, which who was, who was Rebbe Lazar. Rebbe Lazar holds the Arn was exiled to Bavel. And his raya to that is because the Pasuk sees out the fact that Nebuchadnezzar took with him the Klichemda, the treasure of the base Hamikdash, which must be a reference to the Aron. Second opinion says that when speaking about the Badim, the poles, the Navi indicates that the Badim remained in the Aron, which remained in place Ad Hayom Hazeh. Ad Hayom Hazeh means for all eternity, which means the Aron was never moved out of the Mikdash. The Aron remained in the Mikdash. Okay, but if it remained in the Mikdash, it obviously didn't remain in place. It was hidden. And where was it hidden? In the dir ha'itzim, underneath the chamber of wood. So the Gemara tells another story. There was a story of a particular coin, a blemished coin. I will say another reason it mentions a blemished coin is because what, what the, the ble, a blemished coin, coin with a mum, can do the avoda. So what would he do in the base HaMikdash? So the Gemara Masech explains what he would do. Well, actually see this. He would deworm the wood. That's what Kohanim would do. They would go ahead, because remember, you always needed wood. Lishkas ha'itzim. You would always need wood. So they would make sure they would deworm the wood. That, that, was, that was a service that they could do. So as a particular coin, he was deworming wood in the lishkas dir He saw that the floor of the dir ha'itzim was different than the rest of the floor of the mikdash. Or he saw that an area in the dir ha'itzim had a different floor. Bava amilachavero. So he said to his friend, take a look at the floor here. 
that the floor looks different than the rest of the floor. Lo hispik ligmar sadavar hazos. Lo hispik lo hispik ligmar sadavar. He didn't even get to finish his sentence until he died. And they saw for sure, they saw with certainty that this was indeed where the Arnold was sitting. Clearly, Akadosh Baruch Hu did not want anyone to know about, to explicitly know about the location of the Aron. So it kind of was a well-kept secret in the Beis HaMikdash that the Aron was hidden underneath the Deer Ha'itzim. And the Aaron never left the Mikdash Kampa. And I will say, so the Gemara is going to expound on this Machlokes a little bit more. So the Gemara says as follows, Tanim B'Shon Raboshia, Hekesh Allah B'Kornos, V'yata Sa'esh V'Sarafto. So the Gemara says as follows, Tani Rabbi Yehuda Bar Yilai Ben Lakish Omer, Be'ez Aronos Hayim HaHalchin Misra Ben-Midbar. The Gemara says this is incredible. There were two, there are two Aarons that traveled with Klav Yisrael, Throughout the desert. I'm sorry, I was I didn't. Tani Rishon Beoshia, Hekeshalabakarnasyatseishvisrafto. Alternate ending of the story is that the coin who discovered the anomaly in the floor began to kind of hammer away at it in order to get through it to see what was underneath the strange flooring. A spark came out from the floor and fire came out from the floor and burned him. Either way, again, it became clear to everyone else that the Rebano Shalom did not want us tampering with this particular area. So we'll say, let's just, we'll begin the next again and we'll stop. There were two arcs which traveled with Klal Yisrael in the desert. One ark housed the Torah. And one housed the Shivrei Luchos, the broken tablets. So it was an incredible approach. So ultimately, again, two arcs. One which housed the complete Luchos, one which housed the broken Luchos. So the Gemara says, Sorry, The one which housed the complete Luchos, that one remained in the Mishkan. The other one, the second ark, which housed the Shivrei Luchos, used to travel with Klal Yisrael. The Gemara says, would go in and out with them, which I will say, Bipashtos means that, for example, when Klal Yisrael would go out to war, that ark would come with them. And sometimes again, that ark would be seen with Klal Yisrael. But Rabbanan say, Aron Echad Haya. The Rabbanan disagree with Rabbi Huda, Ben Lokish, or Bariloi, and they say, Rabbanan say, there was only one ark. Only one ark, and that ark remained in the Mishkan. Only one time was it taken out during the days of Elia Cohen, and it was captured by the Plishtim. Rabbosi will stop over here. We will pick up Emir Tzashem with this machlokes about how many Aronos were there and how were they used Emir Tzashem tomorrow. All right, Chevron Zoom.